So yeah, so thank you everyone for tuning in. This is um, you know really exciting for me, um, very exciting for Utkarsh as well. You know, I'm honestly honored that he's chosen me to kick off this entire book launch. Um, and you know, I've I got the book um, of course when as soon as it came out, and I have it here on my Kindle. Um, definitely check it out if you haven't already. It's available on Kindle. Um, it's going to be available on paperback. I think shipping starts tomorrow. um and it's definitely a book to have you know i think the day i bought it i probably i i just couldn't put it down it took me a couple of days to finish um but you know more what's been interesting to me is and this is just the type of book it is but since i you know finished reading it i find myself going back multiple times to certain chapters to certain parts um and honestly it's just that sort of book where it has so much value and so much wisdom um that you know it's not something that you can get through in um a day or two or even three and it's not even meant to be at least the way i interpret it it's not meant to be a book um that you sort of finish and you sort of um put down and never really go back to it's something that i've kept i have it you know on my ipad on my kindle all the time i'm really excited to get it in hard copy as well because there's just so many things that i'm able to apply um on a day to day basis that um you know it's i just find myself going back over and over again um you know one thing i want to say about the book before i get started um is that it's something that's helped me contextualize and organize many parts of my life and i'm sure you know as you guys read it as well y'all will feel that okay um you know i have heard about this before this is something i've seen this is something i've heard um and more importantly and this is something you know i think utkarsh wants um everyone to realize as well as they read it is that a lot of the concepts he's sort of speaking about a lot of the mental models a lot of the other chapters will seem new when you go through the index or when you go through the contents page but actually when you actually read it understand what it's trying to say you'll realize that oh this is something that you know i have been doing in my life i just didn't know it was called this i just didn't realize it was this and what it's helped me do is that okay these were things that i might have been touching upon um a little bit little shallow understanding but this has helped me contextualize and organize all of these thoughts these mental models and really put in you know um i think on a daily basis it's only been a few days since i finished the book of course but you know on a daily basis i'm able to then think about okay or when i'm seeing these things in action i'm like oh now i have a way to contextualize this or a way to sort of organize this um so you know i'm really excited for everyone to read the book and you know um thank you so much utkarsh network capital um you know it's it's been it's sort of great to be able to kick off um unfortunately virtual but the book tour um and i'm sure we'll definitely do something in person once we launch or uh, once hopefully um you know things begin to get better um just a quick word of introduction on myself before we go started just because that's going to help contextualize a lot of what i speak about but um so my name is mishal i work in the ceo's office at dr vedyas but i'm also the co-founder of a creative agency called plain crazy um and i graduated from law school 2 years 2 and a half years ago now um back in 2018 and i've been admitted to harvard business school for my mba as part of their 2 plus 2 program um and i also do advise and consult with a couple of other startups 
Um, and you know, of course, this sounds like a very unconventional sort of um, career. A lot of people ask me, oh, law school to MBA to creative agency um, to again, you know, start up in the Ayurveda healthcare space. How did this happen? And I hope to talk a bit more about that through, um, you know, examples and chapters in the book. Um, and of course, some of the mental models as well. Um, so, you know, just um, go, the way I'm going to structure this, there are three chapters really that um, the moment I read them, I was like, you know, okay, this has had a huge impact. This has helped me contextualize things. Um, and I think this is something that will help me moving forward. So I thought it'd be interesting for me to just pick up certain parts of these three chapters, certain quotes, certain mental models that apply to these. Um, and accordingly, you know, just talk about it and hopefully it um, resonates with you as well. Um, you know, I, I do want to, I'm unsure if you guys can ask me um, questions directly because I'm an Emmy, but do put your questions on Facebook. I think there is someone monitoring that. Whatever questions you have, feel free to put them in the comments and I'd be happy to sort of answer them as well about the book um, and about the chapters. So, um, like I said, there are three chapters that I want to talk about and, um, you know, I, I'm going to sort of hopefully contextualize them in the um, context of my career and my career choices as well. Um, so, you know, starting and I just spoke about, okay, lawyer, creative agency, MBA, um, Ayurveda startups, you know, very unconventional. And this, um, you know, so when I was in the eighth grade, I remember going for a video game. So I went for the summer camp where I learned how to code and I made a couple of video games and I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Um, this is the rest of my life. And um, that was me from ninth grade, 10th grade. I used to spend a lot of my time coding. I was building, um, you know, I built the voting system for my school elections with a friend. We used to stay up all night. I did the Linux from scratch, all of that. And I thought I'd found my passion. And then I just realized, I think, um, you know, getting into C, C++, some of those programming languages, I was like, okay, not a big fan of the physics and maths here. Um, and I loved English history and I did my ID where I took English history um, and economics as my high level. And the summer before I started 11th grade, I did a pre-law summer camp and I was like, oh, I love this and I want to be a lawyer. And I actually come from a family of lawyers. I was, I'm a fourth generation lawyer. And I was like, okay, you know, this makes complete sense. This is what I want to do. Um, and I got into law school. And when I got into law school, I was working on a startup, which I subsequently stopped working on. I joined the Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship, worked there for pretty much my entire law school life. Um, in my third year, I did an internship at a venture capital fund. In my fourth year, I started a legal entrepreneurship cell, which sort of combined my passions. Um, and then in my fifth year, I started Plain Crazy, a creative agency with one of my roommates. And I also um, applied for my MBA. And, you know, it all seems really confused. And I've always thought about it like that, like, oh, I'm just really confused. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Um, but chapter five, actually, of the book is called How Confusion Leads to Personal and Professional Growth. Um, and that's something I just thought really resonated because, you know, I am I have been confused. I'm still not 100 percent sure about what I want to do. And I'm still sort of figuring that out. Um, but, you know, I think especially in the society we live in today, there's a lot of um, focus or a lot of emphasis on, OK, you know what you want to do from a young age and you either give your law entrance exams or you give your engineering, you become a doctor. And it's always sort of been like that in India. Um, so I think, you know, this chapter, how confusion leads to personal professional growth really resonated with me. Um, and, you know, I think um, one thing. So confusion usually makes people very uncomfortable. Um, and I think the book recognizes that the chapter talks about that, but it also says, okay, 
that's fine. It is going to make you uncomfortable, but it can also help you make vital discoveries in your life. And I think that's been true for me. Um, but again, not to say, and again, the book makes this very clear that you shouldn't just be confused and let that go. And I think um, that's a clear example of what I'm trying to say when I say that the book has helped me contextualize or organize thoughts. Yeah, I've been confused and I know I'm confused and I'm trying to figure it out. But how exactly do you figure that out? Um, and so that there's, you know, three ways um, that the book sort of lays out that I thought was very um, helpful. And um, I'm just going to sort of refer to my notes over here. But um, the three points and it was a be productively confused instead of hopelessly confused. So, you know, the way I interpret that and, you know, I'm sure everyone will interpret this in many ways, but it's that, okay, you recognize that you're confused. That is step one. And that's really important. But B, then you shouldn't be like, okay, I'm confused and everything's going to some um, just figure itself out or, oh my God, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do and let that affect you. I think, um, you know, when I was confused, I decided that, okay, it's best to try out as many things as I can. Um, so I did the VC venture capital internship in my third year. I um, started the creative agency in my fifth year because I was like, I really want to know what it's like to start my own company. Um, and I was coding a lot more then, which is something I love. So I was like, okay, this is going to help me figure out if I want to do, um, maybe I want to code full time. And um, also just in terms of hiring, in terms of a lot of things I want to learn about how to run a company that helped. But then, you know, I figured out, okay, this is not what I want to do long term. So I switched and I moved to Dr. Vedia's so I work in CEO's office, which is an e-commerce company. Um, and over there, I look at certain tech implementations. I look at brand building. I look at social media. Um, so I'm trying out as many things as I can. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to join that role because it just, um, fits in with exactly my, my aim, which is to try out as many things as possible. So, you know, I think when you are confused and what the book says is be productively confused instead of hopelessly confused. And I think that's very important. Make sure that you use that confusion to the best of its abilities. You know, it's a great thing to be able to try out as many things as possible. So definitely do that. Point number two that the book brought out was manage negative emotions when they occur and don't let it get to you. And I think that still ties into point one. But basically, you know, the way I looked at that as well was that, um, okay, you know, it's very easy, especially in today's day and age, when you see so many people around you, there's so many people doing so many things. I think even in the lockdown, there've been a lot of people um, me included confused that, okay, I, if I have a little bit of extra time, what can I do? And I, again, I've been trying, I've started a newsletter. My brother and I have been thinking of podcasting, reading more, writing more. Um, and I think, you know, it's very easy to get overwhelmed by the amount of a options we have today. And we just, you know, if you find yourself in this position where like you're trying out multiple things and it's not working out, it's very easy that, okay, it's going to get to me. What do I do now? Um, but I think it's important that you manage those um, emotions and sort of just look at it in a positive light, sort of approach it a little more systematically as well. And then the third point was be willing to risk failure. And again, you know, when I talk about trying out so many things, when I, when I tried applying to HBS or when I um, started a creative agency in law school, you know, obviously no one um, really thought that, okay, no two law students can really start a creative agency. And we've been lucky enough to be able to grow that out. It's, um, you know, still running till today, touch what. Um, so, you know, it's important that, okay, you are confused and you want to try new things, but don't limit yourself. Don't put yourself in a box where it's like, you seem like you're, um, and I know there was an NC Insider newsletter recently that spoke about this, Charles Bukowski. Um, don't try, don't try. Um, you know, it was about if you're trying something, try it full hearted. Don't sort of limit yourself and like 
act like you're taking a risk but still being risk averse at the same time and that's what the book really talks about is something that I know Utkarsh has spoken to me about as well and I think that's great advice you know at some point if you're taking a jump if you are confused and you want to let that and you want to help figure that out I think that you know you need to be willing to risk failure um and a couple of other things so um there's this professor Dr Dr Sydney DeMello which the book who the book mentions and she uh, and he says you know confusion augments learning as long as it's properly induced effectively reg- regulated um and you know ultimately leads to a certain goal and i think just again it's a very easy framework when you think about it like this and before the book i wasn't thinking about this uh, or thinking about it in this context but it's you know make sure that okay you're willing to try new things you're willing to risk failure um but you're also managing any negative emotions and using it using this confusion positively um and you know, another thing i wanted to do was from each of these chapters pick up one quote so um the the quote i saw in this chapter from the book that really resonated with me was the professor of biomedical engineering at yale martin schwartz said if we don't feel stupid and confused it means that we're not really trying and you know i know i feel stupid and confused all the time i'm sure a lot of people feel that way as well so um you know it's great to sort of have some validation when it comes to that um and to know that it can be looked at positively so i think the books helped me look at it that way um and you know just moving on to the next chapter chapter 4 which is art of being a deep generalist um i think again over here when we talk about confusion trying out many things what tends to happen what's happened to me is that okay i've tried out coding i've tried out um the creative agency some marketing even at my current role i look at certain tech things i look at a uh, brand building influencer marketing revenue growth customer retention so you're just trying out many things and all our lives we've been told um you know figure out what you want to do and do it all your life and all of that and there's a huge emphasis on specializing you know it's like okay be a specialist if you want to succeed be a specialist even when we started the creative agency the lot of the feedback i used to get was okay it's great um that you're doing this but don't try do being an agency that does everything be an agency that um focuses on one thing um so over there then again personally another lot of advice i get is okay you know it's great you've tried out all of these things but now what is it that you want to do long term pick one thing focus on it if you want to do if you want to do entrepreneurship focus on it figure that out if you want to do vc take that route but focus on it and all my life you know um this has sort of been the think thought process that i need to figure out what i want to do and i need to become an expert at it um and the book mentions david epstein who wrote this book um called range why generalists triumph in a specialized world and he gives the example two examples of sports people um one is roger federer and he talks about the sampling period where you work where roger federer tried out multiple different sports whether before he sort of settled on tennis and of course a lot of hard work um and of course a lot of natural talent as well but he figured out what he wanted to do through the sampling period um and i'll talk about you know his second example of the other sports person in a bit but um you know this is what i or the book this part of the book really resonated with me because this is something i've been really confused about even going into hbs a lot of feedback i've gotten from or a lot of advice I've gotten from professors students is that when you're coming into hbs know what you want from it so you can make the most of it um and you know i ended up deferring by an extra year as well because i was like okay maybe i need some more time to work maybe i need some more time to figure out what exactly i'm looking to do so um you know 
it's good to know that that's not always needed. But the book raises a very interesting point, and um, that's the art of being a deep generalist. So it's not just a generalist; it's deep generalist. And you know, when I was reading this book, I thought about um, that quote: um, uh, "Jack of all, master of none." And we've always been told, right? Oh, you know, you can be your okay or you're decent or you're above average in multiple things but you're great at nothing and that's never going to help you succeed but what this book has helped me realize is that you know moving forward i think the future sort of lies with people who are deep generalist and again i think it's very important to note the difference between generalist and um, deep generalist and over here when i say deep generalist right what do i really mean okay fine i did a little bit of coding i did a little bit of i've done law i've done um, marketing i've done some tech stuff i've done the e-commerce role i've done customer retention um so you know it's a little bit of everything again i've done i've dabbled a bit in writing i've um you know tried doing a couple of internships or talked to a lot of people and look at investing um so you know again you've touched upon many things but what am i really good at what am i really specializing at um but i think you know when you're being a deep generalist it means okay you are doing all of these things but you're not just touching the surface so when i code i've been coding for years now so i understand how that works and i'm not the best coder and i don't think i'll ever be the best coder but at least i have a good enough working knowledge where someone gives it to me i can understand it um with law again you know i might not be practicing law but i've done 9 10 internships i've done 5 years um of law school so again i know what it really is and of course by no means am i saying i really know what it is to be a lawyer and although i understand the law um you know like my dad says and he's uh, been practicing law or my granddad says actually and he's been practicing law for like 60 years um you're always learning every single day and i don't think that's ever going to change but at least you know enough where you're not just touching upon the surface um and what this what the book talks about when it comes to deep um being a deep generalist is again um and actually today only i read this article that vani kola the founder of kalari capital put on linkedin where she says you know uh, where she talks about again the book they um why and why generalist sort of triumph in a specialized world but i think the first point the book brings up which is really important is that very often we tend to specialize without no know, knowing why so even for me grow, when i was 18 years old i decided that okay i want to do law school and then that meant i have to do 5 years of law and usually once people have done 5 years of law they're like okay now i've done 5 years of law school paid for 5 years of law school this is what i'm going to stick to um so you know very often whether it's engineering being a doctor iit i know people i have a cousin who's been preparing since he was 14 15 so you're making this aid this decision really early before you even really know what it means to do that i made the decision um to do law before i even really knew what it meant to work in a law firm you're making a decision to be a doctor well without even really understanding the full thing so i think you know that's definitely one um sort of problem we have when it comes to specialization and the second thing and i'm seeing this and i think this is really important is that it hinders lack lateral thinking and what lateral thinking means is that you can pull upon concepts from disparate um or so disparate concepts or different domains and put them together and i think moving forward especially the world we live in today um and especially for people who want to start their own companies who are running bigger companies who are working in consulting who are working in investing for mostly any sort of um, profession today and more so than not for entrepreneurs you need to be able to understand several different aspects 
because we live in an increasingly multidisciplinary world. So you need to be able to understand several different aspects and you need to be able to put them all together. Think of, um, you know, when it comes to problem solving, you don't want to just focus on one very narrow aspect and then, um, you know, not be able to look at it from multiple ways. And that brings me to the third point that the book brings up is that if you specialize very early or if you're very specialized, you tend to approach every problem with the same lens. As there's that quote from Charlie Munger where he says, um, to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And that's one of my favorite quotes because it's so true. If you have only one way of looking at things, you're going to only have one way of sort of coming to a conclusion or solving that. And I think today, being an entrepreneur, being a CEO, being a young professional, um, or honestly for anyone, it's just really important to be able to understand several different aspects. You know, we talk a lot about AI, blockchain, ML, without really understanding the ramifications, without understanding the concepts. We talk a lot about, you know, um, policy without really being in it. We talk a lot about um, climate change. We talk a lot about the environment. We talk about a lot of different things. And these are all things that CEOs need to take into play. Young professionals need to take into play when making decisions. So if you're not able to understand all these things, you're going to come at a very one dimensional or arrive at a very, not always, but more often than not arrive at a one dimensional um, sort of answer or solution to your problems. Um, and you know, there's this mental model that the book talks about, and I'll try bringing up some of the mental models in a bit if I have some time, but it's called the golden hammer. And basically it's the same thing. It's saying that, you know, um, sorry, with the, so I'm just referring to this report that I have open, but talking about the golden hammer, it's exactly this, you know, that to every man with a hammer, um, or to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And there's this World Economic Forum Future of Work report. And I've been to a couple of these Netto Capital Future of Work conclaves. Um, I've even had the opportunity to speak at some of them. And I think what's becoming increasingly clear is that in a future, in the future, in this sort of uh, work of the future, and that's been accelerated a lot by the current pandemic we're in, you're sort of, everyone's working remotely, everyone's working, um, you know, you're finding new ways to solve problems that you've never faced before. Um, and the World Economic Forum report says that, okay, in this decade, there are two things you're going to see an increase of, and that's intersectoral work and interdisciplinary work. And for someone who's unable to look at the world in an interdisciplinary manner, or bring this, you know, different concepts together, you're going to have an increasingly difficult time going forward. Um, so I think, you know, it's important to sort of keep the golden hammer mental model in, in your mind. And it also said, you know, the report said, the golden hammer will become a barrier to professional growth and to mitigate the negative impact. There are two things you need to do. And one is constantly work to learn new and changing skills and be work at the intersection of things. Um, and you know, when you talk about upskilling, you know, it's the new buzzword. Everyone wants to upskill. Everyone wants to sort of learn new things. Um, we're seeing, we're seeing, um, a lot of ed tech companies. We're seeing things like masterclass, the network capital masterclasses. I watch them all the time because it's, really interesting because you're learning from your peers and you're learning from people who are in completely different sectors from you, but at least you're able to understand a little bit of how they think, how they approach things, um, and all of that. And just talking, you know, about the future of work, the pandemic, I just want to talk about chapter seven, which is why AQ matters more than IQ and EQ. And, um, to be honest, I had never heard of AQ before. Um, in that context, I'd never really heard of it as AQ, but it basically means adaptability quotient. And the chapter talks about why the adaptability quotient is more important than say the intellectual quotient or emotional quotient at, um, this time. 
and um, you know moving forward and i think again that comes down to the future work what this wef report talks about being um, at the working at the intersection of things and most importantly constantly working to learn new things upskilling yourself um, at plain crazy and um, you know we had this sort of inside joke slash concept but my co-founder sayam is a lawyer i'm a lawyer um our first hire who's still with us our partner chief of marketing was a economics and international relations grad from the london school of economics and then our second hire happened to be from design school and specializing in that but we had this concept called um or this thing we used to refer to as lsned and it basically meant learn something new every day and um you know we really lived by that because for us it was something that we a lot of us had never even we were approaching problems or approaching things that we had never learned when i was doing web development it's not something i'd been properly trained in when sayam my co-founder was animating videos he had no proper training so every day we would either try doing a course or on youtube or talking to people and trying to learn new things and i think a that exposed us to a lot more but b it made us very adaptable and that's what the book talks about right so the book says that the adaptability quotient is the ability to change course and repivot in response to unanticipated change and i think according to me that's the most important um skill someone can have moving into this next um sort of decade or the rest of the um century and you know i'm saying that very sort of casually but you know i think the current pandemic is the best sort of example of this um it came from almost nowhere other than bill gates and maybe talib and a few other people not too many people saw it coming um and even when it came right like i remember very clearly when i was in the office um and we decided that okay we're going to stop we were like okay 3 weeks see everyone back and now it's been 6 months 7 months moving into the eighth month um and we're all still sitting at home and these are things that we were completely unanticipated but you're seeing certain companies doing better and of course there is luck involved but i think a lot of the companies that were able to adapt really quickly are the ones that are surviving and the ones that are thriving um and it's the same for you in a personal aspect right we're going to go through many more situations in life and it might be on a smaller more personal scale where you're faced with change and you're trying to adapt it might be on a bigger scale like this pandemic where suddenly we're all stuck at home absolutely no idea what to do for a lot of us work from home is new working remotely is new um you know so at plain crazy at dr vedya's both places we've had people join on the team um you know and great people who we've never even been able to meet or hiring people without meeting them and it looks like you know everyone keeps saying this is the new normal but who knows right it's going to adapt and keep adapting as we get used to it so you really need to have this ability to adapt to um the new sort of situations and unanticipated change more importantly and um over here the book um mentions the founder of MIT's presencing institute Otto Schramer who says who gives you the framework for strengthening your adaptability and the three points he talks about one is having an open mind second is having an open heart and third is having an open will and open mind he says you know you should just have a fresh set of eyes when you approach new problems and you should just be open open to new um possibilities when you talk about open heart you know just augmenting your empathy um your empathy empowering yourself to new perspective and then your open will which is letting go of your ego and embracing discomfort um and just my quote that really resonated with me on this chapter was satya nadella from the book hit refresh um where he says evolving doesn't mean abandoning everything that worked for us 
we should strive to retain elements of our past that gave us meaning and let go of the baggage that weighs us down and i think that's really really true you know it's like you need to be light you need to be light on your feet you need to be able to be quick to adapt and moving forward in um this new normal or whatever it may be we need to be able to um just do many different things um very quickly and i think all these three chapters i've spoken about right the confu- how confusion leads to personal and professional growth leading into okay using that confusion to become a deep generalist and then using your skills as a deep generalist to be able to pivot to anything life throws at you because you haven't only specialized in one thing but because you have so many different skills you're able to approach every problem with an open mind open heart and open will um so you know I, I, that's how the book really resonated with me um these are things that really stood out to me on the book and i hope that they resonated with you too great uh, thanks michal for that wonderful presentation and i'm really glad that uh, you were able to share your perspective i know you were not expecting me but i thought i'll surprise you towards the end uh you've been uh, on network capital from the very beginning and one of the things that i've admired so much about you is that uh, you know you have a really can do spirit and uh, willingness to learn and hunger to share and you shared a bunch of uh, thoughtful insights in fact uh, people from different parts of the world uh, commented uh, this guy is good so i think you should take great pride in it but a couple of questions that i also have my friend sambuddha here who happens to be uh, you know we were just uh, chilling and he's here he's going to join us for this conversation as well okay tell us um, when you thought of the book and the key ideas that were presented um you shared some things that jumped out at you and which you're applying what were some things that uh, made you think or question what are some things that you uh that won't directly applicable to you and how did you make sense of that because i don't want everyone to apply everything saying the idea is to interpret it in different ways no correct and i i i do agree of that you know i don't think everything stood out to me um maybe these were three chapters that stood out to me the most there were many other chapters mental models you know the butterfly effect lock surface area um survivorship bias um all of these things that sort of jumped out at me but there were a lot that didn't jump out at me as well and i think that's completely okay and i think i'll be true for most people who read the book um but you know i think there are two things when it comes to, again a the way i looked at the book is that okay this is helping me contextualize and organize my thoughts and also just contextualize and organize how i think about the world in general so just because something didn't resonate with me doesn't mean it doesn't resonate with someone else and the way i looked at it so for example you know when i first read survivorship bias which is a mental model which um you know for those who haven't heard of it in this context or with this name it basically means that we tend to focus on people that or we tend to focus on things that have survived or have succeeded while completely disregarding the things that didn't make it through or the things that didn't survive and you know um when i read the example in the book it talks about certain planes um that you know that they will look when they were looking to solve certain problems they were looking only at the planes that had survived the war right. or battle or whatever it didn't survive that and i was like okay you know this is interesting doesn't really apply to me and then i start thinking about it in my context right or thinking about other people's context rather um and one thing you see a lot of people in the world do is that um you'll only talk to people who've sort of done something and you know when you first think about it when i first thought about it i was like of course you know if i want to talk about someone who's got into um say hbs or gone to vc why would i approach someone who's not gotten in um but when i thought about it a little more i read the chapter again i spoke to a couple of people about it what i realized was that 
there's so much you learn from um people who've maybe not even gotten in but both in terms and you know people talk about failure like this it's like okay if you fail um there's so much you learn from it what i see failure teaching you is that failure teaches you what not to do and i think it's the same thing with some, you know when it comes to survivorship bias right. i was like okay you know that forget you know forget professional forget schools education just generally when you're talking when i'm say i'm talking to my uh, marketing team about a campaign that didn't work you shouldn't only focus on the campaigns that did work but focus on the campaigns that didn't work as well so you know what not to do next time um and of course that's a very small and relatively irrelevant example but i think a lot of these things that didn't jump out me at the first um so it just help me contextualize so many other things that we see in the world on second or third read yeah and i think uh, you know uh, as uh, as i also quote in the book that uh, history doesn't repeat itself but it often rhymes paraphrasing twain um and this is something that you can only uh, understand when you reflect on failure so you know the way the book is structured is that initially it, it it's it guides you into a way of thinking and then comes the mental models then it comes to people who've done really interesting things in terms of productivity creativity and one thing michal that you've done really well um in your early 20s and as you go into business school is to really question assumptions and and see whether you've picked the right road or not so talk to us about uh, some experiments some experiments and misadventures uh, that haven't worked and again like uh, sambuddha is a proud kellogg alum and one of the chapters that i wrote about was based on some research done at kellogg which was that how repeated failure leads to success but the key is to keep trying and there's a way in which you need to go about trying so talk to us michal about some adventures and misadventures along the way talk to us about some of the failures uh, or the experiments that you've done more importantly is there a right way to go about experimenting through your career so um yeah talking a bit about what didn't work um and talking about what exactly or whether there's a right way starting with that i don't think there's a right way at all um you know in in my head there's no sort of way to figure out um whether what you're doing is right like that's the entire point of experimentation is that if you're trying out different things the point is to figure out what you like not sort of go into it knowing what it is and again when it comes to experimentation i don't think there can be a right way because it's not something you can really plan out or strategize maybe if i know i want to either be a lawyer or a judge i can experiment within that small segment and figure it out but when it comes to being a deep generalist when it comes to sort of applying um even just the golden hammer approach or when it comes to figuring out what you want to do and actually exploring your confusion there's definitely no right way in my um perspective when it comes to um things that have not succeeded so going into law school i mentioned this briefly but i was working on a startup and it was called t launcher and um, the idea was we build a social media network for artists like poets writers um musicians anyone um in that field to be able to sell their work connect with their fans of course there are many um different sort of platforms that do this and of course we my co-founder and i thought we had the next we had it all for the next big idea and i think the more i saw i worked on it um and the more i spoke to people about it i felt like i wasn't ready and so after we had worked on it tied up with companies had the investments of money um from my first real internship all my money went in building out the platform 
And then I was like, okay, but is this something that really works or is this something I really think I'm ready for? And I thought, no, maybe not. And it didn't work out. And we actually never ended up launching. And that's fine. I don't really um, think it negatively impacted me. If anything, it really prepared me for the next time I was ready to start up. And I think it's important to look at all sort of situations that don't work out um, in some sort of positive light. And obviously there is negative aspects to it. And I don't think we can um, completely discount those. It's not like I think, oh, you know, it was all great. And I'm so happy this happened. Of course, you know, I'm not pleased that um, I hadn't planned it perfectly. But, um, you know, there is a lot of learning from it. And there are, and it's always going to happen. There's so many things we tried at playing crazy. Um, we launched new sections. We launched new. We even tried launching a sister company at a point, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. That's fine, I think, as long as you're not letting that get to you. Um, and again, don't let, don't be in that hopeless confusion sort of place. Like, oh, it didn't work. What to do? Use it productively and make the most of it. Yeah, you know, Michal, I wrote this book, um, um, remembering my twenty-year-old self and twenty-five-year-old self. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, extrapolating five years out and seeing how, uh, say, a 30-year-old person would respond to it. But it's really important to know that we underestimate the change that we'll go through. And uh, that's something that I first read about in literature. Then I spoke to, uh, you know, my mentors, my professors from INSEAD, um, uh, from Ashoka and from other places and spoke to my friends such as uh, Buddha and you and many others uh, who are part of it. And I realized that because change is something that is uh, that that accompanies us, this productive way of being confused is something which really enables us to deal with failure better. Because then you're not constantly asking yourself, uh, uh, why did this happen to me or why didn't this uh, the work but rather you try and reflect on some of your failures and try and you know build upon it and I think from your pre-MBA career that's something that you've done quite well which is to reflect on some things that worked and some things that haven't and then you know I think uh, uh, curiosity has led your way and uh, the uh, the way the, uh, the 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 book is arranged is that uh, if you look at a school like a child in school uh, to a person entering college, to graduating, to heading to business school, five years out of business school, 25 years out of business school. It basically has stories of different people. You are one person and there are many others which people will hear from. I'll just have uh, one more question for you because I know it's a Friday night and even though it's Corona, I'm sure people have things to do. Um, is that you mentioned that you're going to keep coming back to the book. So in the few days that you've read it, uh, what, are, what are some ways you suggest readers come back to the concepts and uh, apply them? So when I wrote the book, uh, are, there are five key points that everyone should remember about each chapter, which I've written. But do you come back to those five key points? Do you come back to the sections you've highlighted to your own notes? Or what's your advice to the prospective reader? So. Um... You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm qualified to sort of give advice on this because I know everyone has a different way of um, um, learning, different way of sort of understanding whether that's highlighting, taking notes, whatever it may be. The way I've been looking at it, and of course, I think the key takeaways at the end of every chapter has been very helpful. Um, I, I'm sorry, I think I, my audio wasn't coming clear. I lost it. I don't know if I was trying to talk about the lock surface area. I'm not sure if anyone heard me. Um, but you know, that's one place, the lock surface area was something I didn't, I, and you know, 
I didn't resonate with resonate with it immediately, and I came back, and suddenly I was like, "Oh, this is something I should be applying to my life." And especially for me, and you know, again, as someone who went through five years of law school and had to go through the longest judgments in the world from the Indian courts, I've picked up this habit of sort of speed reading um, or reading, uh, you know, having this not necessarily the greatest habit of skimming through certain parts. And um, what that happened. that usually works completely fine a lot of non fiction books i find there are certain main topics that you're able to glean very quickly and you understand those and you know i usually highlight or I, if i'm reading a paperback or if i'm reading a hard copy i make small notes i literally um you know i've been reading um reading as we zero to one and i've been sitting here and i've been taking notes in the book on my kindle i tend to highlight and sometimes if there's something that really resonates i take maybe i'll not note it down on my phone but usually i don't like taking notes cuz i feel like that disrupts my reading process and i know that's true for people some people like reading it but the way this book is structured right it's not one concept or two concepts or three concepts it's 60 plus concepts um and many more that come sub concepts that come within the chapters so you know it's not something that you can read and you're like oh yeah now i know 60 new things or i've contextualized my life or i've picked up some new concepts um like we were talking about this certain things you might not agree with or might not even understand on first um on the first time on first read but when you go back to it when you think about it a little more deeply i think a lot of the chapters require deep thinking um you know maybe like these three chapters they initially resonated with me so i remember them and i didn't really um you know need need to go back even when i was trying to make notes but there are many other chapters that didn't necessarily resonate with me as much um why why did like going back um when i was looking at the mental models you know i sort of skimmed through them again picked up things um like the shifting baseline system where on first glance i was like okay this is completely irrelevant to my life and then i started thinking and i was like you know adaptability quotient relates exactly to the shift shifting baseline system and in the book it's put out in a more individual or in a more sort of global on a world stage way but there's so many different ways that you can interpret each of these things both on a personal and a professional level so that's what i mean when i think that it's really useful to keep going back um and also you know it's easy to forget these things when you go back to living um your life day to day but i think for me personally as someone who is confused very often who is um you know a generalist and hopefully on the way to being a deep generalist um going back helps me remember this and helps me contextualize these things and work on them with a structure moving forward so thank you michal i i cherish your patronage i cherish how much you contribute to network capital i cherish this conversation but i also want to conclude uh, the first of uh, several road shows uh, by saying that this book is largely a result of uh, the conversations that i've had on network capital uh, with uh, the members that we have around the world and the data that i've collected so each of you has helped me put this book together in your own special way and uh, none of it is just plain imagination i've gone through the task of doing the academic research then complementing it collecting data then thinking about it then reflecting it upon it some more and each of you has helped in uh, in your own special way some of you have created content on network capital some of you help brainstorm think through some of the most strategic aspects of it so if i were to give you one advice and or one suggestion as a friend of how you might want to read this book i would say that uh, each of these concepts or each of these mental models is a frame of reference you don't need to take them 
too seriously or not seriously. This is just a way of thinking. Please contextualize them and uh, try and think clearly. And I'd like to conclude by saying clarity is power. In my book, I've attempted to uh, take a step towards uh, augmenting career intelligence by taking one step towards clarity. Thanks very much. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for everyone. Um, thank you so much, everyone who tuned in. Um, definitely read the book. I cannot recommend it more. Um, and Utkarsh is very, you know, very modest in his own way, saying that he's attempted to augment career intelligence, but there's no doubt that he succeeded as well. Um, so do pick up a copy of the book and um, excited to have many more conversations with all the network capital members and many people around the world about what they think and how they're using the book to contextualize their own sort of journeys as well. Thank you. Thank you, Vishal. Look forward to your next masterclass. There's a huge demand for a bunch of things. I'm going to follow up on that. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Take care. Cheers.